Warmest greetings. Good afternoon, everyone. Mis saludos cordiales y buenas tardes a todos. Mes salutations chaleureuses et bonjour à tous. Mias saudações calorosas y bon dia a todos. Mr. Nassus, good afternoon. Good day to everyone. So here we are, another week, another um, sustainable development goal. So today we are going to be discussing goal number three of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which is good health and well-being. Objetivo número tres de desarrollo sostenible de las Naciones Unidas es salud y bienestar. Objective numéro trois de développement durable de Nations Unies, c'est accès à la santé. Objetivo numéro tres de desenvolvimento sustentável das Nações Unidas é saúde e bem-estar. So how would you define um, good health and well-being? I think good health and well-being is not just when we think about sustainability, we think it's just maintaining itself. So if you're able to maintain life and be okay, then that's good health. But a lot of the times, if we, especially in the West, we think of life as uh, instead of working to live, living to work. And so while people are sustained for some time, it's not maintainable forever and in fact can contribute to our poor health. So I think it's to define good health and well-being, I think it's feeling feeling not just okay or not just the baseline of what you should be in terms of functioning, but being able to feel happy, being able to feel healthy and feel good um, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, um, whatever it is you believe in, to feel that you are in a stable place and, and where all of those parts of yourself connect and feel that it's not just functioning, but you're thriving. And I'm not saying that you're necessarily amazing all the time, right? But you feel that you're, you're, all those parts of you are connected. Yeah, I think, um, I think I would define this goal as a position when a person is aware of their mental state and their physical state of being and well-being. So good health, um, many people consider being healthy to be I've seen a doctor and so I am, he tells me my heart or she tells me my heart is good, my organs are great, my blood work is fine. That is physical health. But what about mental health? And mental health is something that a lot of people are starting to pay attention to now because I've always told many people, and I'm going to repeat it a million times after this, that everything I believe starts in your brain. So I'm not a neurologist. I like public health. That's what I specialize in. That's what interests me is the education of health itself is very basic, but it's also very necessary on a day-to-day -day basis for every human being to know. And many problems start in our mind. So many people think I am having this physical ailment like blood pressure problems, kidney problems, diabetes, whatnot. And they think it's because of their physical lifestyle. And yes, at times it is because of their physical lifestyle. Maybe not enough exercising, maybe not enough water in their diet. But I think it's also because people are not realizing that 
that mental stress they have in their mind of work, something that has happened that is necessarily bad, is not being talked about. It's not being expressed. So it stays in your mind. And whatever happens in your brain, your brain is connected to your body through pathways, neurological pathways, nerves. So everything that happens within your brain is what allows you to move your fingers, to walk, to breathe, all the nerves that come out of your brain, your optic nerves, all those nerves are the ones that actually allow you to see, to speak, to eat, to digest, to walk, to sleep. But if we're not realizing that one little mental stress of a problem right now can actually be the deterrent to a future disease like blood pressure, speaking, speech, acceptance of this is a problem and not going it will be fine eventually, or it should be fine eventually. You are in control of your future and of your mind. And if you don't train your mind, so as athletes train their bodies to become physically fit and strong and healthy, you need to train your mind. And training your mind is through meditation of taking time for yourself that yes, you pray, yes, you go to church, yes, you go to mosques, yes, you do whatever it is that you need to do, but you need to also train your mind for you and for yourself, and for your mental health, and for your mental state of being. Because, like I said, problems start in your brain, they're not being addressed, then they start causing problems in your pathways that go from your brain to your body. And then eventually, it's your heart that pays the price, or it's your kidneys that pay the price, or it's your digestive system that pays the price. Because, for example, mental stress can cause ulcers, and gastric acid problems in people, and they think it's because of something else. And yes, it's actually stress. And some people are knowing this, are hearing this, and they're saying, yeah, I am in that situation, or yes, I know, but you are suffering of a mental thing, something that just needs to be talked about and shared with someone. And that is already a huge step, is like relieving that stress from your mind is 50% of the work and then figuring out what needs to be done to solve that problem is just the other 50 counseling guidance counseling um and so many other things and i want each and every global citizen to know that it is your just and human right to define good health and well-being way above and beyond the borders of your society your economic status and your social class because your good health and your well-being is everyone else's good health and well-being. I, I definitely agree with that. I think it, it's such a, a multifaceted problem, which means it, it connects to so many other threads. Um, for example, when we think about this, why this is so high on the SDGs, I think it's, re, it's where it is because it is a clear reminder of all the ways that it connects everything. So, for example, if you're hungry, right, you're not able to fuel your mind, you're not able to fuel your brain, your body, and function properly. If you're living conditions that are reflected in poverty rates or in poverty, then you're going to have a lot of stress on, on your mind. You're going to be physically taxed, or you might have to do a job that is potentially dangerous, which might harm your your body. And also, if you don't have access to resources to to be mentally, physically, and, and I, I think the best way I can define it is as spiritually healthy. Um, and, and I'm not saying that it is a necessity that you have a, a particular belief system by any means, but just having 
something that you can reflect and grow on in your own personal life. Um, that's what I mean by spiritually. But they all all connect, right? They're all interlocking. Um, and, and it becomes really difficult if you don't have the access to these resources or you have these barriers in the way. And so when we do solve these problems, um, we're able to at least give people the opportunity to be healthier, right? When we start to solve this, or if we to solve again, another example I can think of off the top of my head is gender disparities and how the how, or racial disparities where people's health uh, results um, vary uh, based on their racial, economic, uh, and and gender identities, right? And so it's really really important that we assess these things and and really take them seriously yeah. and i mean i'm mentioning again um many people are suffering from mental health issues and they don't even know it or they're not aware of it and they're related to an external factor like i said stress at work or school relationships whatever it might be but they're not realizing it's not an external factor causing an internal problem it's an internal problem causing external consequences such as your health your physical health your heart so when i say train your mind i'm not you can't lift weights and train your mind you need to start understanding your boundaries as a human being when it comes to the things that happen to you acceptance of things that happen to you but also learning from things that happen to you and realizing that you have to be in control of your own mind and no one else has that power over you except for yourself but if you allow people to have that power over your own mind then everything else can fall backwards that's allowing someone to be bad to you allowing someone to be cruel to you allowing someone to walk all over you allowing people to do things to you and knowing that you don't deserve it. Once you can, once someone does something to you and you can realize that you don't deserve that, that's power. That's real mental power. And the steps you take after that are consequences of, okay, I've accepted this and I've moved on. Or I need to address this more and, and understand why I think I deserve this or I don't deserve this. But it's really important to honestly know the borders and boundaries of your own mind, your own human mind. The human mind is powerful. Even neurologists, neurophysiologists, they all, they're still trying to figure out how the human brain really works because yes, now we have names for all the parts of the brain and the nerves that come out of it and the arteries that connect to it and all of that. We have the names of the physical factors of the brain, but we don't really know how the brain really works because there's no one way that a human brain works each and every person on the planet's brain works differently because your brain also connects to your personality sometimes what you think in your mind becomes who you can actually potentially be and that's why positive thinking positive notations positive meditation is important to take that time to say i i tell myself before i go to bed and when i wake up in the morning before i step out of my bed and do anything else I promise myself that no matter what happens to me today, I'm going to overcome that. Not because I am better than anyone, but because I deserve to overcome pain and I deserve to overcome things because what I would like to do or what I'm trying to do is good. Not I'm trying to do something to someone else and expect good things to happen to me or life is unfair. And so 
um, I don't deserve this and someone else doesn't deserve what I want, but so I'm going to have feelings of jealousy or hatred towards them or attack them. So whatever goes around comes around, right? We've mentioned that before in the ecological system, in the ecological brain, even the systems, the natural systems of nature work with this concept of what goes around in a system comes back around because energy is constantly being passed from one part of the system to the next. Yeah. I, I'm also um, just out of curiosity. Um, surely I think mental positivity and being positive is important, but there, I, I think that it is very difficult if there are barriers. How do we then kind of develop that ability to do that if there are the, these things in the way of allowing us to do that? How, or, or what is the best way? Because obviously everybody is dealt with the cards that they're dealt with and have certain dispositions, uh, which means ways of being um, or things that they can't really control that uh, make, that, make them more likely to feel a certain way. Or, or if you see a pattern of a group of people that happen to be experiencing one thing, how do we, we in a way, condition ourselves to help people or to help other people be well? Uh, as a society or help ourselves be well if we're in a society that in and of itself isn't well? well how do we address those barriers? Um, I don't know. I think that, first of all, we have to acknowledge what the barriers are, what are the boundaries and barriers, and then also accept and acknowledge what part we play within those boundaries and borders. Are they positive? Are they negative? Do they need to be changed to be more positive or do they need to be changed to be less negative. Um, I can't personally define the borders and boundaries of that, but I would like everyone who's listening to just take a moment and really think about that question because it's a question that um, Mr. Ness has asked me right now and I'm thinking about it and obviously I don't have the answers. Um, he probably doesn't have the answers. That's why he's asking this on the podcast. But And no one really has that one answer for this, but collective answers to one question can become that final answer because it's a global agreement when you decide to um start a movement in a society or you decide to do something in a country it has to be accepted by most as a positive thing and as a good thing for most or for all before it's accepted in the rules of law even in law that's how things work it's not what what one person says this has to be done and everyone else has to do it. No, we live in a global democracy. So some people have a stronger right within that democracy. Others really don't have. But everyone can say this is happening in the society and it's not okay. So they might not be able to do anything about it, but they, can, they already know and accept that this is not okay. And that is mental democracy. Hey, let's just put that out there also. Having power over your own mind and having power over what you think and what you see. And also we've talked about human beings um, and the good health and well-being of human beings. But what about the good health and well-being of the environment, right? Environmental well-being within the ecosystem is also something that's really important. And, and, and as well, super important to our well-being overall. Like if we take care of the environment, then we're better equipped to take care of ourselves, utilize the, the natural, the vast variety of uh, natural resources that we have um, to use. I think one thing that 
when you were just speaking, it really made me think uh, was that we are not alone. Like, there's not one thing that an individual can contribute or do. I mean, yet surely we should do things and and for ourselves. But I think um, what's really important, whether or not we have an answer, is that we are a collective. That we're not just in this journey by ourselves. We're a part of a bigger a bigger team, and and we have so many voices and resources that we should utilize um, within each other. Whether that is uh, forums for to talk about public uh, or mental health. Uh, finding out the the resources if you have the access uh, online to a, a better, healthier living, or you know having just a friend to talk to or or exercise with, I think I think those are are steps and they require that we share knowledge, right? Because no one person just magically knows how to do something, but we learn as the the most basic thing is that we learn from other people. So I think that that. The idea of the collective and going back to the philosophy, I think every SDG goal that we talk about, I'm going to mention Ubuntu. I am because we are um, because it, 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 every time it, it just makes me think we are a collective. We all have to come together to to resolve these matters. Right. Yeah. And you've mentioned that the SDGs are connected and that's very true. Even the people who constructed the SDGs or like each and every one is connected to a global society and a global acceptance of what has to be changed, what has to change and also what needs to be done for no one to be left behind. And I think that there are many SDGs with 17 goals, 10 years, and for at least us in the foundation, 54 countries within the African Union. So this can be done but it has to be a collective understanding and acceptance of why it needs to be done and not someone trying to overthrow someone or someone trying to overpower someone. It's an acceptance of what has to be done, not what should be done or can be done in a year or two. It needs to start being done now. And Mr. Anassas and I, our plan is to go through these goals within the podcast, hopefully before New Year's Eve, and we're writing down the Sustainable Development Goals He's having each one addressed on paper, one page, so we're not overpowering people's minds and having to tell them they have to read 20 pages. This is diplomacy. So when I signed my foundation in the European Union as a consultant in public health and international diplomacy, I consider myself a medical diplomat. That's something that I I learned over course of my life. So I don't consider myself a doctor. I don't consider myself a diplomat, but I'm somewhere in between where it's not just about health itself, but it's about breaking those borders and boundaries and accepting that this is a global right. And that's why when I found out about these SDGs, they made sense to me from the moment I read each and every one. I was like, why have I, why did I not know of this since 2015? Why did I find out about this a year ago? That's just life. Some things that matter as much as these SDGs are not out, but other things that don't really matter so much are being publicized. But our plan is definitely have this on paper. So when he is doing his job in education as head of education, he's having this written down on paper on one page. And I promise you, writing down a diplomatic letter is challenging because it's not about the confidentiality of the information of the people on it, but it's about the information has to be presented in a manner that 
It is respected, not because of the words and the vocabulary that's written down there, but the importance of why those words are on that paper and how they connect from paragraph to paragraph. So when we have these goals written down, each and every single one, we're having it, um, Ms. Karima Shuhu and TAF Environment and Climate Change is translating that to Spanish, to French, and to Arabic if we need to. All the spoken languages, every single national language within the African Union is either Spanish, English, French, Portuguese, or Arabic, or French and Arabic. So when we have these 17 goals on paper and we go to a country and we present it to the ministers and we say this has to be taken to the president because it has to. There is no, um, I would like, and I don't like bureaucracy, actually. My least favorite word, mm -hmm. honestly, is bureaucracy. So when something needs to be done and I believe in it so much and so powerfully, I just take it to the top. And the ones at the top are there on the top because they have a job to do, but it's not a job that they need to do alone. When they have natural citizens standing up and saying, this is, I'm here to assist, then a person on top at least will be willing to listen to you. And if you have something on paper and you have something that you've spoken and discussed, that's a huge thing. You've made their job easy. You're not coming and saying, I am looking for or I want you to help me to fix this and to do that. You're saying it's all been done because we, the three of us at TAF, have sat down and discussed and had board meetings and decided how and when we're going to implement this. And like I said, public health is important. So some of my colleagues in med school went into cardiology and anesthesiology and whatnot, and they went into, they ventured into their own path. But now they're telling me I took longer and I took my time to really think and really consider what was good for me, but what would make me happy to wake up every morning knowing that I'm doing the change. It's the diplomacy of it. And then it's also the fact that it's involving every single natural person. So not many people have access to healthcare around the world. Not many people can just go and see a doctor because they're a citizen of their country. Not many people even have the money to go see a doctor. But if we educate in public health, you don't have to go see a doctor to know the basicness of how to take care of yourself. But then if we want to introduce a healthcare scheme and system into the African Union, I know that that can be done because I might not have lived or grown up or really understood the concepts and the borders of the African Union, but I do see what needs to be done so clearly. And I'm not saying that people who are supposed to do it don't know it. But that's the whole point of the diplomacy is interconnecting borders and unions and bringing that I can bring this to the table and you can bring that to the table. So let's bring whatever we can to the table and help these 17 goals because they're, yeah, they're only 17 goals and we only have 10 years, but can they be reached? And I consider many of them to be important. The education, um, gender equality, good health and well-being, zero hunger, no poverty. These are really basic, important things that in 10 years at the 2030 agenda, every country should say we at least have these really basic needs. So maybe the renewable energy and sustainable communities and whatnot can be for the future, but they're really basic human rights that are these things. Good health and well-being is so basic that people should not have to worry about going to see a doctor because they don't have money to see a doctor. And I feel also within this this thread um, that 
educating ourselves and understanding, at least attempting to understand the people that we're working with or the people that we, if we have the opportunity to impact people, um, just uh, that that notion of education and that notion of of, of being hopeful in that uh, is super important. Or I like to say, here's a new word, imperative to what we do. I think I might have mentioned that word last week. However, imperative means very important. Um, I also think one, one of the things that, that you mentioned that make, I think is going to be a challenge, but nonetheless, I'm excited to see what we or what us as a, as a human race or what people can come up with is this notion of, uh, you, you mentioned how we all have to be behind the goals, right? Um, and, and we all have to kind of unanimously, even if we define things very differently, unanimously agree that like, this is something that we need to get behind. So how do we convince, or, and this is a question to the general audience again, how do we go about solving this without imposing on people's livelihood or, or, or is there, is it possible to do so to, to, you know, without telling people, Hey, you need to do this or without dictating in a way, how do we get people behind that? Is it through education? Is it through a mixture of, of showing the actual results of what it is, uh, understanding all the information? How, what do you, do you think is the best way to kind of create this sustainable Oh, or what is the most sustainable way to actually make these sustainable goals happen, right? Yeah, there's education. You have to educate people yeah. about this because you leave them with the education mm-hmm. and you let them know why it's important for them, their society, their people. And no one's going to say no to something that's good for them, their people, their society, their government, their their global community, but also not just for them, but also for the environment, because who and what is suffering the most is the environment. And we talked about human good health and well-being, but what about the well-being of the planet? That's the earth. That's our home. So each person has their own home and home or whatever country they live in, but the actual good health and well-being of the planet is what is causing all of these other issues like floods and hurricanes and natural disasters that are out of human hands. So when we have war bombs and we have this and we have that, but we can't even address basic human needs, we can't even address basic human environmental issues, like planting a tree, sitting down, planting a tree, planting a seed onto soil, it doesn't take more than 20 minutes to really just dig a little bit of hole, a hole and then put something inside and leave it and let it grow because in that society, this grows well. And the importance of planting trees is because what happens to areas that are under floods right now is that if you plant more trees in those areas, what happens to a, a tree? It gets thirsty. So from the roots, it absorbs water and nutrients from the soil. So actually planting more trees is going to help combat floods that are happening because that's the only thing that is natural. So it's not causing problems of sustainability on the planet, but it's also just absorbing the water that is in excess in the environment and using it to produce what? Oxygen. And what is oxygen? 
It's the basic element of human life on a periodic table of chemistry. They're elements that are good for us to take and to eat and to consume in our body. But oxygen is the basic one because what happens is that trees, people, trees are absorbing carbon dioxide. So all the things that we're doing from car pollution to industries to whatever that's going on with climate change now, trees can absorb that through their own photosynthetic chemistry. They absorb that and they release oxygen for us. So as we are polluting the planet, they're still fighting and working to correct the ecosystem. And all we have to do as human beings is plant them on the ground because then it helps fight the floods. It helps fight the excess water. And the parts of the world that are dry start becoming more rich in nutrients and soil because what happens in the ecosystem is when a leaf falls, during autumn, it falls on the ground, it gets absorbed from the soil, and then it goes into the soil again, and then it starts growing all over again, giving energy back into the ecosystem. So sunlight is available in most parts of the world, and if not, it's available for six months of the year, five months of the year, or four months of the year. You plant a tree, you let it grow, it uses photosynthesis, produces leaves, fruits, food, which we use to eat and survive, and then we feed the ecosystem back again by planting a tree. I don't know. It, it seems like I keep watching documentaries and even scientists who always say, this is not my problem. I am very scientific in my knowledge. They're going, this is important. So I'm not saying that I am a hippie as a scientist, but I'm saying we have to plant more trees because there's nothing else that we can produce or create in the form of technology and robots that can help fix this problem because what happens is they're just going to keep on contributing to the climate problem yes i think i think one thing that stood out to me the most in that was yes the information the, the information was valuable but the passion uh you spoke with i think one of the things i'm a bit perplexed or uh, going back to the thread kind of on how to get people without imposing um one of the things I, i'm just very I'm, I'm grappling a bit or struggling a bit with is how do we get people behind the cause because surely we have the information and we have the knowledge to say this is what we need to do but i know there's still a large percentages of people who who don't get behind these messages right so how do we we move the community or move the people into to being a part of this is this you know is this a matter of inclusion is this a matter of giving voices and and i think right education serves a part of it but i think there's there's more action and there's more things that we have to do i just don't exactly know what it is right i know we are playing our part at taf right in in our actions and in our diplomatic work and and everything that we do but how do we we move or how do we kind of create this this trickle effect of being where people are taking action people are moving forward right that that's something i know i keep keep kind of reacting with questions but i think that 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 is something that a lot of people struggle with, and I think is is part of why a lot of people at times feel a bit um, pessimistic about the matter. Um, I think maybe part of it is yes, educating, but I think also 
when uh, definitely being aware of the people who we're sending messages out to. So one of the, the I, I think back to one of my best friends who is a, a climate change activist. And one of the, the most valuable or important lessons that I remember him telling me uh, was that when he would go into his, the community, um, he would, or w- into the communities he was working in, the, the most important thing he thought about was how would he get his, if he was talking to his own mom or as a, a climate change activist, how would she then listen? So how do we get people to listen? And the thing that he said was that his mom, parents or uh, in his community would only often listen or his mom would listen if it's something that affects her pockets or her money and affects her kids. So how do we, we I think, framing it in ways that is not just this is great for the community, which we are aware of and we will emphasize, but I think also how it affects the lives of our children and our loved ones and as well how this this is more more beneficial in, in many cases economically to have a more sustainable environment it's more sus- economically sustainable right um but i i think that's just a part of it but i i think and i think for our audience as well what if you have any ideas of ways that we can utilize and and, and not just for taft but as a as a community but if there's anything that you think would be an effective strategy to getting people behind this cause or getting people behind the SDGs or getting people behind good health. What, what do you think it is? Because there's so many, again, it's multifaceted. There's so many parts of it. How do we get people to be moved? Well, I mean, you have to, like, you. we talked about the education, which is just letting them know what's going on and what the consequences are. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this will affect their family. It's not a matter of it may, it might, it's already affecting the daily lives of their family and they don't even know it. But Mm. if you may let people understand the reason why it exists and why it's important for the global community, not just for their environment or just for everything and everyone, then you leave them with that idea. And then you start leading by example, which is you start planting the trees in your community. You start doing the education in the school because this one school believes that this is important. You start, and then that movement in the generation to come, when I say that generation to come, I mean the ones that are going to grow up into their 50s in the next 50 years or the next 20 years or the next whatever, by the time they have seen and understood this as a lifestyle, as opposed to something that's being imposed on them that has to be done now. So many people are feeling, I'm too old to understand this. I just retired. I'm this, I'm that. And that's fine. But you still need to know about it because you as a parent can teach your kids about this and they can grow up with that as a lifestyle to understand the reason why sometimes you don't have to drive everywhere. You can walk because that's better for the planet and it's better for your health and good well-being also And also the fact that some people might stop at a bridge. You can turn off your car when it's not moving and you're in traffic and turn it back on when you're ready to move because those little tiny things you do, I've decided, I've learned that I should unplug everything that I'm not using. So my laptop might not be plugged to the wall, but it's still plugged to my laptop. So somehow, as long as that charger is being plugged to the wall and it's not turned on, it's still taking electricity and still contributing to the climate crisis. 
So if you unplug it from the wall, from the actual outlet, you're making sure that that little excess amount of energy is used for when you actually need to use your laptop or you need to turn on your laptop. So unplugging your TVs, your laptops, unplugging your phone chargers when you're not using them, you are already doing so much for the planet, reducing your consumption of meat and chicken, not because you can eat it in three course meals of a day, every single day, because you can afford that, but maybe making it a one thing, one time a day or twice a day, just cutting it down one little step by little step, you're saving 15,000 liters of water that the planet needs right now because some parts of the world are flooding, right? So they have excess water and they need trees. And other parts of the world have no water because they're running out of water. But what is the balance, the chemical, ecological, biological, physiological balance that the human planet needs is the plantation of these trees that provide the food. It doesn't have to be just a tree for food or just for vegetables, but it can be just a tree. Any and every single kind of tree that you plant serves the planet and hence serves the human race. I, I think one another thing that really stood out to me uh, that I think kind of gives me a bit, a tiny bit more clarity is in the notion of having hope, but then really is this, this level of honesty we need to instill. And not just by simply telling people, but as you kind of mentioned, uh, teaching that in schools, teaching this, this way to be honest about our own position in a society and how we might be the contributors or worsening. Um, and that, I think... I think the barrier to that, or something that's difficult, is that we as people tend to think of ourselves as, because we only know our lives from our views, we might think that, we, we don't ever think that we are necessarily the bad guy of our story. But in a way, we are the people contributing and worsening, and, and that, I think that's a hard thing to swallow. But when we start, and especially for older people, how often... Have you heard a parent or heard people say, I, I'm the one who's right because I said so or, you know, that, that kind of notion. And once you're an adult, I'm always right. We always want to be the person who's right. I think that when we have that kind of ingrained into ourselves, it becomes much harder to admit and accept when we are wrong and when we are contributing and worsening a situation. I think that is also so important and that's an important quality to I think educate, but then also practice ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves and be willing. You know, I, I, I think the, the most helpful parts of my, my own adulthood now is really the times I'm corrected or called out on the times that I've been, uh, I've been wrong on things. So I think that that's really useful. But I, I think it takes, and we talked a bit about this last week, is Putting aside our pride, I think I think it all connects to that that level of pride that we 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 kind of hold to ourselves. It's okay, we make mistakes, and we need, to, but it's our responsibility to fix these things and to correct them. We we will in this process. It's not going to be a pretty perfect process, and we're not just going to solve it in a day. But we need to take this moving forward with honesty. I think that that it's crucial. Yeah, um, being an adult is obviously hard, and especially being an adult in the 21st century is very, very hard. But being an adult is not about age. 
And sometimes it's not even just about experience, it's just about acceptance. And yeah, we grow from learning and accepting our mistakes. It's not a matter of shoving them under the carpet and saying, like you said, I am the adult. So when I when I do my work, and especially when I work with children, I learn to listen to them because if I'm trying to teach them something, why does the listening and the ordering and the all of that have to be a one-way streak? If I want them to listen to me, I have to first listen to them because that's me being the adult. So when I ask them, what do you want to speak about today? What do you want to talk about today? How do you feel today? They're already open. That's just basic psychology. Their brain, their mind opens up to me and what I have to say and what I have to express because then they listen because I have listened. Not I know well and I know and I do mean well. But how do you make a child who's four understand why they need to do this because it's better for their health and for their well-being? They can understand that. Their brain is not developed to that point, but it's listening to that child and you being and exercising your rights as an adult is listening and saying, I have heard it and I have understood it, but this is the reason why, because I have had this experience and this is what has happened. So when I do that psychology with them, they might be learning a language from me, learning something in health from me, but I'm not telling them I'm instilling psychology and um, experience and age on you. I'm just letting them know that for me to listen to for you to listen to me which is what i hope and expect because i do i am exercising my adulthood here to teach and show something but i have to know that if they are not listening to me then it's maybe because i'm not listening to them or if they're not learning from me it's because i'm not learning from them because yeah at four kids already have a personality they know what they say stuff and someone's like i'm shocked how but it's the 21st century they're exposed to so much in school with their friends in the society um, learning. But that exposure can be very confusing for children. And so it, it is the work of the teachers and the parents and the society to help put those things into kind of an order that is more understandable for them. And uh, I couldn't help but and not to transition to next week's topic, next week's topic, but I could not. I literally could not help but think about how important it is to kind of set aside and listen. And, and especially as, as men, next week's topic is going to be gender e, um, equality, yes? Scratch that. It's not gender equality. Um, but it, it really made me think a lot about that as one of the SDG goals is gender equality. And I think how important it is as men... Um, that we listen and how much it matters that we set aside our pride and we try to condition our young boys into being better listeners, being more honest when they make mistakes. A lot of the times we go through life and we act as though there is no problem, right? Or we don't want to talk about our problems and we kind of pretend like it never existed. But we can't have that that type of mentality and that applies again to not just gender inequality, but to health and well-being. And it's all these threads connecting again. Yeah. So, I mean, now I'm just going to go into some um, essential vitamins and minerals that the human body does need on a daily basis for functions of your organs, for your energy levels, for your sleep rhythm, for all of that. So vitamin D, 
um, helps your body absorb calcium, right, which is important for bone health. Um, we normally get vitamin D from the sun. After 15 minutes of exposure to sunlight, we get vitamin D. But the lack of vitamin D increases your likelihood of getting sick, um, chances of bone and back pain, and hair loss. So vitamin D is important to help you get that calcium that your body needs for certain things. So foods that we get vitamin D from are fresh milk at times, juice, cereals, egg yolks, and fatty fish. So we've talked about the fact that milk is not so great because actually many people of a certain race, for example, people of color, um, milk is not very good for us because it doesn't function well with our blood types and systems. So many people are drinking a lot of milk in excess because they hear that it's good for your bones, but too much milk is causing gastric problems, ulcers. Um, it's also causing excessive problems in men and women. For example, if you don't have enough calcium, what happens is that you have problems in women like osteoporosis, where your bone is losing density. But if you do have too much of it, then it's also causing other types of problems. Um, we have magnesium, which is important for bone health also and energy production. It helps reduce stress and calms your nervous system, your nerve, your system of nerves and all of that. It helps to regulate muscle and nerve function and balances your blood sugar levels. And foods that contain magnesium include pumpkins. I know that not all parts of the world have pumpkins. We have spinach, artichoke, soybeans, normal beans, especially black-eyed beans, um, tofu and brown rice and nuts. Um, and then calcium is important for strong bones and teeth. Um, women need to ingest natural calcium from early ages to avoid bone density problems, like I mentioned before, resulting to osteoporosis. So foods that contain calcium include fortified cereals, milk, yogurt, broccoli, kale, nuts, beans, and lentils. We have zinc, supports our immune system and helps our body use carbohydrates, proteins, and fats to produce energy. It also helps us to heal when we cut ourselves, when there's a wound or our skin is exposed. Zinc is important to help you heal. So foods that contain zinc include oysters, pumpkin seeds, spinach, sardines, and brown rice. And we have iron is important for increasing energy production, better brain function, healthy red blood cells. Um, women need more iron during pregnancy, puberty, and menstrual cycles because iron is necessary during times of rapid growth and development. So foods that contain iron include green vegetables, such as spinach, broccoli, lentils, beans, nuts and seeds, dried fruit, and whole wheat grains and brown rice. Then we have folate or folic acid. is best known for aiding in fetal development and preventing birth defects in children. So folate helps fight depression also and combats inflammation in the body. And foods that contain folate include dark leafy green vegetables. So many vegetables that come out in those big leafy green types, they're rich in folate. Um, we have avocado, beans, and citrus. Then we have vitamin B12, which is important for keeping the body's nerve 
and blood cells healthy. It helps create DNA, which is the genetic material for cells. So you imagine if you don't really understand DNA, it's your house is where you live in. So your house is the example of your body. And each brick you put on that building block of your house to make it a room or house, that is DNA. So I would consider understand DNA to be what your body uses to build itself and to grow from when you are conceived to when birth happens to when you grow up to be a human being. And foods that contain vitamin B12 include meat, fish, and eggs. And we have potassium, which is important for controlling blood pressure and helps fight kidney stones. And foods that contain potassium include potatoes, bananas, yogurt, soybeans, fruits, and vegetables. So when we're dehydrated because maybe we've had a vomiting episode from eating something or we've gone days without eating, is we have low levels of potassium. And the way to get potassium back into your system is not just drinking water, but also feeding your system with potassium helps you get that energy production all back into place. We have vitamin A, which is important for vision, for the immune system, and reproduction. So foods that contain vitamin A include sweet potatoes, carrots, spinach, and fortified cereals. We have vitamin B6, which is important for metabolism, immune system, brain development in children, and foods that contain vitamin B6 are soybeans, chickpeas, and potatoes. Then we have vitamin C, which is important for protection against cell damage, supports the immune system, and helps the body make collagen, right? Which helps your skin stay smooth, elastic, strong, healthy looking. And foods that contain vitamin C are red and green peppers, kiwis, oranges, strawberries, broccoli, and tomatoes. Then we have vitamin K, which is important in helping blood clot clotting and bone health. So when you cut yourself and you realize your wound has healed in a few days, that's the action of vitamin K. And foods that contain vitamin K include green vegetables such as spinach, collards, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and cabbage. And we have iodine, which is important for production of thyroid hormones. And your thyroid gland, which is around your neck, helps with the whole metabolism problem. So some people that have thyroid problems and maybe realize they don't eat much but gain a lot of weight, that's hyper hypometabolism, hypothyroidism, sorry. And then there are the people who eat a lot and realize they're not building muscle strength the way that they should, not because they're working out, but just as a natural human being. Maybe that's an issue of hyperthyroidism. And foods that contain iodine include seaweed, iodized salt, and seafood. And finally, we have fluoride, which is important in preventing tooth cavities and promotes bone growth. And such a mineral waters, for example, have um, fluoride in it. Fluorinated water, um, it's important to start with kids also to switch to toothpaste that contains fluoride because minty toothpaste you think that cleans your teeth but yes it's doing the cleaning but it's destroying the animal the protection barrier of your teeth so when you decide to switch to fluoride which is what i've done the past months now is your teeth are stronger so you avoid getting cavities in the future because you have stronger teeth and then fluoride is just also good at cleaning your system and cleaning your tooth and your gums but Mint is strong for your gums and is strong for your teeth. And it's, as you're cleaning it, you're just breaking down the walls of the protection barrier of your teeth itself. So um, before we end, um, Mr. Inassas, 
Um, what do you think good health and well-being, how do you think good health and well-being should be for the global citizens? Like, what is that one or two sentences of good health and well-being for the human race, but also for the environment? Well, I think definitely sustainable, but to define it, I would say that it means that we have access to resources and we have access to knowledge and access to the abilities to function, to live, breathe, and and feel healthy. And I know we can def- define that very vaguely, but... I think as long as we, we have access and, and to all these resources or these vitamins and minerals you just you just listed, being able to have all that uh, and, and knowing that you're not just your body is functioning properly, but also your mental health and then also your spiritual and social health is functioning properly um, and being able to have the, the access to be to say, hey, like I, I want to get this treated and not just for health. But also, oh, I want to spend time with my friends if I can, if that's possible, you know, and having that not be a, a problem, uh, for example, in the workforce, right? Uh, if I want to, if I have a deficiency in vitamin C, I now know and have the knowledge to know, oh, maybe I need to spend some more time and I have the ability now to spend more time in the sunlight. So this means that maybe we might have to look at the the work life balance or the the giving people the opportunity to spend that time outdoors um just for one example yeah and just before we end it's important for everyone to realize that um these foods and vegetables and nuts that we need to consume to get all these daily or weekly at least daily is better but every second day third fourth day you have consumed these from something you've had is that they need to be consumed in their most natural form. So not overcooked or fried. They need to be cooked in water, maybe, because they're too hard to be consumed, such as potatoes. But carrots, for example, you're better off eating carrots in their raw form, peeling off the back and eating it than overcooking it. Maybe for children who are babies, yeah, they can't chew on carrots, so that needs to be cooked and made into a paste. But... These consumption of these things, I'm mentioning it and we took the time to mention that because I know that many people don't realize why they maybe cut themselves and they don't heal as fast or they have vision problems. It's not just a matter of I need to definitely see an ophthalmologist or optometrist. Maybe it's just a matter of realizing I'm not consuming enough vitamin A and I'm not getting it from those foods such as carrots and sweet potatoes and spinach and all of that. But like I said, it's not about cooking it, overcooking it and over frying it and adding excess oil to it. Because once you do that, for example, the pe- why do we eat apples with the peels, but then we don't eat potatoes with the peels? And you've men- if you've realized many of the potassiums and minerals that I've mentioned have potatoes or sweet potatoes in them. Many people peel off the peels of potatoes and then they fry it into fries, but the potato peel itself is really important because that protection barrier that protects the inside also contains these vitamins and minerals that we need. So washing the potatoes, cooking the potatoes with the peel and eating it, for example, like that is good for you. So I hope everyone has a great weekend. I know it's been 
a very long podcast, but hey, it's good health and well-being. And like we said, mental health, physical health. So have a great weekend. Take care of yourselves. If you need to listen to um, the podcast again to just get these potassium, vitamin and where I get them from so you can note it down. Maybe that's something that you can have the time to do over the next course of the week. So take care of yourselves and have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, everyone.